comes up here and we get started, uh, I want to throw something out there for the adults. So y'all listen to me. As we start, as we get started tonight, well, I have, we have some bulletin boards downstairs in the long hallway that I need some volunteers to take as their project. They need a, well, some of them have been there since before. I came. Uh, the, they need, not the last the leaders, but we got some bulletin boards. I need some volunteers to say, I'll take that bulletin board. And uh, there's plenty of stuff for you to do that with. So we appreciate that very much. And now, without any further ado, the in two minutes, the Doug Smith. Gunner? I will hold those for you until class is over. I don't want them to be a distraction. Anything else in your pocket I need to hold? Okay.
All right, let's get started tonight, please. We're missing, we're missing some kiddos. There's, you want to come up? It's not too late. Come on. Hey, now you know what I'll do eventually. Now I'm going to get comfortable. I'm going to come get the kids and bring them down here. So, anyhow, I want y'all down here. All right, let's begin with the books of the Bible. Y'all ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First Samuel. Be faithful. 
faithful, be faithful unto death, and I, and I will give you a crown of life. Obviously, the sword version. Dear believers, baptized in the water, rise again to walk the past and live like you are. The judges, who were the judges of Israel? God said, Judges, so there is no one great one in 14 men. Goodness, faithfulness, 
love, joy, peace, and faithfulness, patience, kindness, and goodness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits in my soul. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. These are the good fruits. All within our soul. And what's the verse that we sing that emphasizes you can trust God no matter what's going on in your life? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean up your understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. Not for a question, all right? Let's try to get all together. What's true success in life? Still got to work on getting together, all right? What's true failure in life? Living by the 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 living by March, you don't go to school. You don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, but no matter what. Even if you go to school, sleep all day. Even if you sleep all day, what are you going to do? I will. I need to try. I will do my best. Never give up. That God will care Always remember that right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. It's never right to be wrong. It's never wrong. One, two, three. Jesus loves me. One and two. Jesus loves me. Three and four. He loves me more. Four and two. He loves me more. Up to seven. One way and then. Eight and nine. He loves me more. Now we're so excited. Yeah, don't say it right back. He's so good. I love you. All right, let's go ahead and uh, have a few announcements before we go to our classes. I do want to take an, uh, this opportunity to welcome each of you to our services tonight at Boonville. Uh, if you're not here, we have our Bible classes on Sunday night, and uh, we have a couple of options available for you. There's a class that meets in the Annex, and I think Brother Stephen is teaching a, a class on uh, denominational doctrines, and of course, Brother Ken is teaching this class tonight here in the auditorium, so uh, you can make your choice of which one you want to go to. Also, if you are, are here tonight and need to partake of the Lord's Supper, as you get up to go to class, if you'll make your way into the little chapel, somebody will serve you uh, the Lord's Supper before you go to class tonight. I have just a few points of emphasis tonight before we are dismissed to classes. Uh, we're going to have a cookout at Pinevale Children's Home on Tuesday, June the 14th. And there are sign-up sheets uh, in the foyer about uh, bringing different items. So we need some help. With that, if you would go ahead and look at that and see what you might be able to bring uh, as, to be a part of that, it would be very, very helpful. Also, our Super Saturday is coming up in just about six days. And uh, Stephen had an excellent lesson this morning about how we need to be involved in something like this and the good that can be accomplished. And uh, we still need people to sign up. First of all, if you've not registered, you could still do that. Uh, if you want to be involved in some way, please let Stephen know that. Uh, I know he could use your help. And then I wrote something else down here that for the life of me, I cannot read it and I can't know what it is. But I think it was very important. 
But for the time being, hmm. See, I could have been a doctor. I always said I could have been a doctor. I need to I type things out. Maybe it wasn't that important. Let me think here just a minute. I know it was important, or I wouldn't have wrote it down. Super Saturday. Oh, I know what it was. It was about our Bible classes. I've already announced that. That's the word CL, and you can't read the rest of it. All right. So I've already did taken care of that, so I didn't forget it. All right, before we uh, dismiss for class, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Will you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the day. We're so thankful to you for all the good things you do for us, the many blessings that you provide for us on a, on a daily basis. Father, we're mindful of so many of our number that are sick, uh, those that have had surgery, those that will have surgery, and there are many that are recovering from surgery. We pray that you would bless those that are recovering, that the things that are being done for them will be done so that they can be restored to their health. We pray for those who've lost loved ones, those who are grieving over their loss. May your hand of comfort and peace be upon them. Father, we're so thankful for the church here that meets at Boonville. We're thankful for the shining light that this congregation continues to be in this community. And may each of us realize our responsibility to you and to the Lord's church here. Most of all, Father, we're thankful for your son, Jesus, who willingly came to this earth to give his life on the cross for our sins. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. just go with it until we can't go with it. We'll back up and punt. But thanks to the guys that run all the equipment up there, uh, despite some glitches once in a while, they do a, a fabulous job and we really appreciate it. Okay, here's my list of sick people.
We'll go through our list, and then we're going to sing a verse of a song. Uh, We're going to sing 865. That song's just kind of on my heart today. No tears up there. So we'll sing one verse of that and then start our study. So these are, these are the people on my list. Irene Baker, she has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton is having foot surgery tomorrow. They had, I'm pretty sure they've already left. They're going to spend the night. And then I think she has to be at the hospital like 5.30, something like that. So we pray that she is on the road to recovery. She's been dealing with that foot situation for a long time. Austin Wentz had a very serious uh, treatment this past week, and I I trust that all of that went well, and uh, he is on a long road for recovery. Terry Green has been undergoing chemo treatments for a while. I'm, I'm thinking he's probably very close to the end of that. Verlin Davis has Alzheimer's. Ann Stevens has health problems ongoing. Marilyn Wilson's recovering from back surgery. My mother-in-law is expecting to receive news about her latest biopsy on the 15th. So please remember her in regard to that. Kim Fowler seems to be doing great, walking around in the boot with her broken foot. Don Dawson has multiple health issues. Kara Barnes and her, uh, Burns and her daughter are recovering from their accident with a dump truck. Uh, Johnny Howe is Ken Scott's aunt. She has cancer. Connie Mooney is recovering from hip replacement surgery. She's basically learning how to walk again. She's at One West. Sue James is a friend of Rick's. She has cancer. Gary Thornton is undergoing cancer treatment. That's Barbara Gwynn's brother. Quitman was at our devotional today. He's still at Landmark. He's in room 110. Geraldine Taylor is Chopper's mother. She has pancreatic cancer. She's also at Landmark in the adjacent room, 111. Stephen Hodgins' dad, Kenneth, fell, fractured the L1 vertebrae. Pat Ritchie has pancreatic cancer. Tommy Barragona is undergoing cancer treatments. Randy Stutz had his knee surgery, was recovering from that, discovered a torn muscle or something in his knee. Now, he was having complications from that. It swelled a lot. The doctor has found that he has a blood clot behind his knee. So they are nursing that right now. He's supposed to see the original surgeon on Tuesday. So we're praying for his recovery. Stan Pounds is doing great following his cataract surgery. You wouldn't know that he had it. He's doing so well. Shirley Farr has back issues, complications with diabetes, but doing better. Madonna Cook had neck surgery, and all indications are she's doing great. Um, Madison, who's a Lutheran Jones' granddaughter, had gallbladder surgery. She's doing okay. Uh, James Goddard has cancer. Um, A second round of this, it spread. Jeremy Jones' mother, Marilyn, had surgery on her foot. Procedure went well. We're glad for that. Leah is one of our inmate convert. She's requesting prayers for Jessica, who fell off one of the bunks, uh, injured her head and spine. Okay, so Je- Jessica 
is doing better. She's back where she belongs. So we pray that works out. Uh, the Acox are taking care of Bethany's mother right now. She's out of rehab. Uh, Diane White has strep. Very severe case. She was hoping to go to Arkansas tomorrow, but don't know how that's going to work out. But she's, she's been very sick with that. I also understand everybody that goes to Disney World gets COVID. So don't go to Disney World. Okay? Nod your head this way. You're welcome, Disney. <laughs> uh, Bernice Boyles, who is Emily's grandmother. Many of you know her. She's going to be 100 on June the 21st. If you'd like to send her a card, I'm sure that would just make her day. Uh, you can send that, I think, care of her to Mississippi Care in Corinth. And I'm sure maybe the Kendricks can get that address. Sir? Voils? Well, let's just change that with the magic of technology. How's that look? Okay. Thank you. Because I want to get it right. I never, if ever I call you by the wrong name or spell it wrong, that it, it was unintentional. I'm just doing my best here. So thank you for that correction. Okay, anybody else have someone you want on the list? Janet. Is that right? Has. <laughs> I can spell bronchitis, but not coker. Of course, I had help. Pardon? Okay. I'm glad to hear that because that sounded like an awful, awful thing. Yes, Rick. Let's sing our song, and then we'll pray about these folks, okay? 865.
Well, it's a promise. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for a beautiful day today. And thank you for your rich blessings on us. We are truly a privileged people. I pray, Father, that because we realize that's true, that you'll motivate us to share this good news that we have with everybody around us, knowing that there is very little that restrains us from doing so. We pray your blessings on all these sick folks. Please comfort Irene Baker and give her good days with her family. Bless Martha Eaton in her surgery tomorrow. Bless Austin Wentz in his recovery and Terry Green as he's undergoing his treatments. Bless Verlin Davis with good days and her caregivers. Bless Ann Stevens that her health will get better and that she'll feel better. Bless Marilyn Wilson in recovery from her back surgery. We pray for Ruth Staley and a good outcome from her biopsy. Bless Kim Fowler as she recovers with her foot and Don Dawson with his many health issues. We're thankful that Kara and her daughter are doing so much better. We pray your continued blessings on them. Bless Johnny Howe who has cancer. Connie Mooney as she's undergoing her rehab. Bless Sue James in her battle with cancer. Gary Thornton in his cancer treatment. Please bless Quitman as he's rehabbing there at Landmark. Be with Geraldine Taylor and comfort her. We pray for Kenneth Hodgen that he'll be able to recover from the right kind of treatment for his vertebrae. We pray for Pat Ritchie who has pancreatic cancer. We ask your blessings on Tommy Barragona as he's going through his treatments. We pray that he'll get good returns from that effort. Father, our hearts are, are with Randy Stutz as he's recovering from his recent surgery. And we know he's had complications, so we're just praying, Lord, that all that is going to be resolved here really soon, that he'll be able to recover and be back with us, and all this will just be a distant memory. We're thankful that Stan Pounds is doing so much better, and we pray in preparation for his upcoming surgery for cataracts, that it'll be just as successful. Bless Shirley Farr, and we're thankful she's doing better. Bless Madonna Cook and her recovery from her neck surgery. We're thankful that Madison did well through her gallbladder surgery. Surgery, We pray for a full recovery. Bless James Goddard, who battles cancer. For Marilyn Jones, we pray that she'll have good healing from her procedure and no more problems with her feet. Bless Leah as she comforts those around her incarcerated. We're thankful for her conversion, and we thank you for the effort she makes for others. We pray for Jessica in particular, who recently had a fall, and we pray that she is truly doing better. We pray for the Acox as they're taking care of Bethany's mother, and we pray that all that's going to go well. We pray for Diane White, who has strep and Lord, we just pray that this will soon be eradicated from her body and she can get back to the things that are important to her. We pray for Sister Voyles, who's going to be 100 soon, which is hard for many of us to imagine, but what a life she's lived. Let us be an encouragement to her as she celebrates this time with her family. We pray for Janet Coker, who has bronchitis. We pray that will be short-lived and she'll be better soon. And we pray for Marley Warner 
who is having some testing, we pray that whatever is the problem, that that can be discovered and that she will be very well soon. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless us in our examination of your word tonight. Help it to be effective in making us more knowledgeable and stronger and certainly building our faith and trusting you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are studying Gideon here in our Judges and Ruth class. And uh, we're, we're kind of going pretty quick clip through Gideon. We're trying to, if we can, catch up to our schedule, which is hard to do with a lot of material. But thank you for going ahead and reading these texts on your own. And that's what we'll be doing in this class. We'll be examining uh, a lot of what we find in the scriptures to just get a better idea of what these people of God were able to do, despite, in many cases, their character falls. Remember, we talked about how things are going to get worse before they ever got better, and then once they do make a turn, they're going to be great. I'm just going to tell you that greatness is going to happen when we get to the book of Ruth. Sorry, Judges is just a downer all the way. But we're looking at Gideon, who's pretty famous in the Scriptures. He is a part of that description in Hebrews eleven thirty two of faithful people. So uh, just uh, his exploits are amazing, but he absolutely was not a perfect person. So let's catch up to date. You know, he's already been called by the Lord. He was reluctant like Moses was. You know, I've got, I'm nobody. Why are, you, why are you talking to me the way you're talking to me? Question, how is he talking to him? Well, you are a mighty man of God. You are a warrior. You are a powerful asset for me. And he just kind of scratching his head like, what? Seriously? He's a mighty man of valor. I love it. Now, we're going to see another guy here shortly who's depicted that way too. Totally different situation. God knew the heart of the man and he knew where his track was going to take him. So I'm just, I'm thinking God sees a lot in us too. And whether we realize it or not. We can be exceptional if we allow ourselves to be used by God. So he's going to put together an army, but he's not convinced of it. So he tests God several times. First of all, he tests God with regard to whether or not he's really that mighty man of valor. You, you serious? And so, you know, the Lord accepts what is described as a burnt offering. So it's not just feeding the uh, angel of the Lord, deity in his presence. Actually, there is the acceptance of an offering of worship. Uh, typically does two things. Either the burnt offering, the whole burnt offering as it's offered completely has to do with forgiveness of sin or also has to do with absolute commitment. That's the absoluteness of it, the completeness of the burning. In the case of Gideon, <laughs> maybe a little of both, Right. So Gideon, yeah, okay, I'm convinced, and we're going to get our army together and going to give us success. Yeah, I'm going to give you success. Well, you know what? Um, again, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, can you prove it? And, of course, we go through the fleece test, throws the fleece out on the ground in the morning. It's supposed to be wet, the ground dry. The Lord passed. Are you surprised? Uh, um, okay. I don't know, uh, my confidence level not super high. How about let's do the reverse of that now? I'm going to throw this fleece out again. Tomorrow, fleece dry ground wet. Okay, pass that too. Yes, the Lord's with us. So, Lord's with us. We're going to go in with an army of 32,000 fighting men. Yes! 
Because we're going against a Midianite army that is described as being like locusts. I mean, they're without number. But I have faith. I have faith that with 32,000, I can do it. And the Lord says, "Uh, no, we're going to test that situation. So how many of you are afraid, you know, going against this Midianite army? Oh, 22,000 of us are afraid. Go home. We've got 10,000, which reminds you of the previous assault. That's all it takes. That's all Barak had with Deborah. So let's go with that, right? 10,000. The Lord says, "Mm, in this case, no. I kind of think of chapter 5 where you've got Deborah's song and all of that. While there is some indication of the Lord's help, a lot of it has to do with, you know, how we, how we did this and we did that. And I think the Lord this time is like, you know what? Even facing what amounts to an army we can't even count, 10,000 is too much. I want people to know that I'm behind this. So he whittles the 10,000 down to 300 with a drinking test. Most everybody drinks it by getting down to the water and drinking it up. Some had that, you know, that just astute awareness of things where they scooped up the water, lapped it out of their hand like a dog. Lord said, those are the ones I want. There were only 300 of them. And so using the 300, the Lord is going to bring about a tremendous victory. At least that is the promise. Verse 20 of chapter 7, Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. Okay, so every single one of those in three different companies of 100 are given not swords and daggers and shields and chariots. They're given a trumpet in the right hand and a pitcher that has a lamp inside of it, a torch in the other. And at the prescribed time, all together, surrounding that Midianite army from the hilltops, they shatter the pitchers, which I'm just trying to put myself in this and and feel it sensually. And I'm thinking, uh, okay, I hear the noise of the shattering of those pitchers. What does that sound like to you? Doesn't that sound like a bunch, a huge army unsheathing their swords like we are ready to just tear you up? And then not only that, just at the same moment that that happens, all of the light around the ridge of the mountains, it comes up. And then there's the blasting of the horn and a declaration that takes place. Listen to this. They hold the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, if you read this text, you know that Gideon, along with a little helper, had done a reconnaissance mission. And when he had gone down into the camp, these guys were having visions and dreams They were already convinced by the impact of the dreams that Gideon is going to wipe them out. And you can only imagine the fear that already existed in them. Now as they hear this incredible shout and the clanging and the light, as a result of that, every man, verse 21, stood in his place all around the camp, the whole army, ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword 
against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia towards Zerera as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabith. Wow, what happened? Who killed these people? They killed themselves, didn't they? Oh no! They're right here. You know, it's like grab your grab your sword. It's it's dark where you are. There's the light back there. You're in the dark. You just you're afraid they're on you. So you just take that sword and you just start slashing. Well, if you do that and your neighbor does that and you don't really know what's going on and you're terrified, what's the outcome? Practically, they all died. The men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and Almanasa and pursued the Midianites. 300 had great success. What did that do to the surrounding tribes? What did they then do? Yeah. Listen, I've got two cats. One of my cats, if we have guests, we'll sit out, entertain it. If there's a visiting dog, might hiss at the dog, but doesn't run away. Got another cat named Rosie. As soon as she hears a foreign voice or the bark of a dog or something strange, she runs and she hides. When they leave, you know what she does? She comes out there and she's like, well, I guess I showed them after hiding for three days, right? Now she's like big stuff. Boy, we showed them, didn't we? Three hundred had enough courage and faith to stand with Gideon against a numberless group of Midianites. God gave a great victory. And now what does everybody else say? Yeah, boy, we got him, didn't we? I wasn't afraid. You know, when he first asked about fear, I, I, I thought he said spear. I went home to go get mine, you know. And then I was left out. Now all of a sudden, everybody's ready to pursue the Midianites because we are convinced, not, not like those first who had faith and trusted in God, but the others now have come along and they are convinced that God what? God's on whose side? God's on our side. So Gideon's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, we defeated them and all that was a big route and all, but well, we got a lot of chasing to do. And with only 300 men, we're not going to be very successful. So how about a little bit of help? Chapter 7, verse 24. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, come down against the Midianites. By the way, if you looked out at the layout of the land of promise where all the tribes had their, their territory, you might notice, uh, maybe, the, maybe the map in your Bible, you might notice that Manasseh is north of Ephraim. And he says, you guys come down. He wasn't talking north and south. Actually, Ephraim is guess where? Up in the mountains, right? So you guys up there in your mountain where you've been hiding out, do what? Come on, come on down here. So, so Gideon sends the messengers, come down against the Midianites, seize from them the watering place as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together, seized the watering place as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan, and they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb. Uh, I don't know. You ever find humor in this? I know it's not humorous that these guys died, but I just find it a little bit humorous that the, the one reason that we know who these guys are is because the places where they died is what 
they were named for. You know, they're named for that. I just think that's kind of interesting. So they cast two princes. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb. And Zeb they killed at the winepress of, of Zeb. They pursued Midian, brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the side of the Jordan. Ugh. Okay, so chapter 8. Now the men of Ephraim, right? You're thinking Rosie here. Just came out of hiding after three days of being afraid of visitors and a dog. Ephraim comes out and they say, why have you done this to us by not calling us when, we, when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him. They're like, man, we were, you saw what we did rounding these guys up. Boy, we'd have been so brave. So he said to them, now, you got to love Gideon because Gideon is one of those guys that he's like an empowerer. I, I don't know, he's a great negotiator. Because he's going to take these guys, they're not fired up like, you know, well, you wronged us, and what are you, you blah, blah, blah. He's like, you guys are amazing. The way you did that thing you did, you came finally and helped us. Man, you were something. What have I done now in comparison with you, he says. Is not the glean of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? Abiezer is actually son of Gilead. And we're going to find about Gilead here next. God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Oh, you know, all I did was defeat the Midianites with only 300 men. What's that compared to your gathering those guys up as they're running around scared? You think that's a little sarcastic? I don't know. It's kind of fun. Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. Okay, so I'm looking at this and I'm like, hey, Gideon's he's a good guy. He's got a lot of faith. We saw that beginning that was pretty spectacular where you know, it was a lot, kind of like Abraham and Moses in his beginning, in his contact with God and all that. But chapter 8 describes kind of the darker side of Gideon because what Gideon ends up doing is the people are like, Gideon, you, you are amazing. Here's what we want to do. We want to make you the king. You remember what Gideon said about that? Gideon said, no, verses 22, 23, I'm not going to be a king. My son's not going to be a king. Grandkids, they're not going to be a king. The Lord, the Lord is the king. Although... Here's what I have done. Like, you know, I pursued the two other kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna. When he went against Zeba and Malnuna, uh, Malzuma, he took some things. He took their gold crescents. He took their pendants. He took their purple garments. And then from all of the Israelites that decided they were going to join and fight, he took one of the gold earrings that they had gathered up as loot. Now that might not seem significant to you, but part of the reason that people want to fight is because they can get in there and get something out of it. For instance, he says they were battling against, some of them were Ishmaelites. And apparently Ishmaelites were known for kind of decorating themselves with gold earrings. 
And they also put gold uh, um, decorations on their camels and such. And so here comes Gideon. Gideon says, you know what? I'm not going to be a king, but I want you to treat me like what? I want you to treat me like a king. In fact, when we kind of wrap this thing up, he had a lot of wives. In fact, it doesn't tell us how many wives he had, but he had 70 sons. How many people other than kings did you ever hear of that had so many sons? And not only that, another thing that he introduces that really takes him down the hill, and that is he creates out of a lot of the abundance of this wealth an ephod. Anybody know what an ephod was? Ephod was the vestment that the high priest usually wore. And there was a, a pocket or some kind of an appendage to that that not only representing the tribes of Israel, but also held the Urim and the Thummim. You remember that they used that to toss and discern the will of God. And so the idea is that here over in Ophrah, not, not in... in uh, in the blessing of the people of God, not at the tabernacle, not, not in connection with the priesthood itself, but a separate place. Over here where Gideon's from, his hometown. Over here in Ophrah, if you'll come and you'll worship this ephod, then you know you'll have the blessings that I have. As a result, he calls Israel to, the text literally says, to commit adultery. So they weren't just coming to see the sights, oh, this is our great man of valor. They were actually coming to do what? Which was sinful. To worship. To worship what had become an idol thing. Like Othniel, Ehud, and Deborah before him, verse 28 says that Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more. The country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Yahoo! Except that this is the last time we will have it expressly said that there was quiet. Because once one of the great champions of Israel then becomes an endorser of idolatrous practice or, or, or kind of the, the idea of, of mingling it in. People, you know, it's one thing to run off and worship Baal or the asterisk, but now it's kind of like, wait, this is an element that we're kind of familiar with, you know? This, this won't be so bad. Well, what was the result? Verse 33, so it was as soon as Gideon was dead... Children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals, made Baal bereft their God. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, Gideon, in accordance with the good that he had done for Israel. How much now are they holding in their hearts uh, veneration for the people of faith that had gone before them? Where are they going, up or down? Told you, told you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oops. Okay, so there's Jephthah. Here we're at the bad. Ugh. And I'm going to tell you, here's how, here's how I think of Jephthah. Jephthah is like the thug judge. The thudge, I guess you would call him. He's the thudge. After Abimelech, oops, stop, who's Abimelech? 
Well, if you, you read chapter 9, you ran into Abimelech. And I know he's included in some of our judge songs and so forth, but Abimelech, he's a bad guy. Son of Gideon. Well, sort of. You know, I told you Gideon had 70 sons. That's kingly, right? We're going to make him a king. Got 70 sons, a pool to draw a king out of. Well, he also had a concubine. That's not his wife. Just kind of a, a side person. Um, she had a son named Abimelech. Abimelech decided, with help from Shechem, that he's going to be the king. If you're going to be the king, you've got to eliminate the opposition, right? So he killed all 70 on one stone. Means he just he executed the whole lot of them. Save one, Jotham. Jotham got away. Jotham gets away and he humiliates Abimelech. Abimelech serves as quote-unquote king for about three years. But the Lord, he sends a spirit similar to what he sends to Saul when Saul becomes a person of disfavor with God. A spirit that basically un... Well, it doesn't necessarily undo Abimelech so much as it undoes the relationship between Abimelech and the city of Shechem. And as a result of that, there, there is a lot of war, there's a lot of killing, and if you'll read that text, you'll find out that Abimelech, well, he dies kind of like Sisera did at the hands of a woman. Uh, it, it's a beautiful picture of him standing by the wall and getting his head squashed with a millstone. But let's just not go into all that because I want to move on to this great story about Jephthah. You want to find out the gory details of that? Be my guest. Chapter 9 is a short read. But what Jotham, what Jotham has to say about Abimelech is just it's kind of priceless. Okay, so before we get to Jephthah, we've kind of got... There's a transitional description of Tola and Jer. Not much to say about them except for the 45 years that they served. And what we're going to find about uh, Jer is that he's from Gilead. Gilead is the very place from which we're going to find Jephthah. Now, Gilead is in the Transjordan area. You know what I mean by that? Most of the tribes were on the west side of the Jordan. Some of the tribes said, hey like the half-tribe of Manasseh and uh, Gad and Ben, they all said, hey, we, we would kind of like to be over on the east side. That seems good to us. So that's called the Transjordan area. And generally, that whole territory is referred to as Gilead. Okay, that's going to be important to us. So after Abimelech and his failure, just put that in quotation marks right there, uh, there arose to save Israel. Notice, arose to save them. Why do we save Israel? You know how it goes, right? They've been faithful for a little while, then what do they do? They become idolatrous. Then what happens? They, oh, God punishes them with an oppressor. And then they cry, oh, Lord, help us, we're so sorry. And then what does he do? He sends a deliverer. In this case, he sent Tola. Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar. He dwelt in Shemir, in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years, and he died and was buried in Shemir. I don't know. Maybe he didn't pick up an ox goat and beat up a bunch of people or use the jawbone of a donkey. 
Maybe it's just, you know, didn't take a knife and stick it up in a guy's gut to the hilt. I, I don't know. Nothing really outstanding except that here's a great thing to be said about somebody who's going to deliver, deliver people. He did it for a long time. And what can we assume about him? I'm just thinking that word that starts with an F ends with a full, yes, faithful, faithful. He's faithful to the task that, that he was given. After him arose Jair, a Gileadite. And he judged Israel 22 years. So a total with, with the two, 45 years. He had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. What does that tell you about them? Uh, they also had 30 towns. Sounds like they're pretty what? Pretty wealthy. And uh, you know what nepotism is? (laughs) You're the ruler, and so who do you put in charge of your cities? In this place, you you know, you put your sons or whomever. So they rode around on 30 donkeys. The donkeys, I understand, were pretty pricey back then. I don't know. Uh, They had 30 towns, uh, which are called Havosh Jair to this day which are in the land of Gilead, that's Transjordan. Jared died and he was buried in Cammon. What that does is segue us to this story. Israel, Israel's in trouble, they need relief. So the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Are you surprised? What do you mean evil? Did they do something different? Uh, you know, different flavor now, we've kind of tried this before, we'll do some. no. The same ridiculous thing they have done over and over and over and over already. What's it say? They did evil in the sight of the Lord. What? Serve the bales and the asterisks. Are you kidding me? But not only that. Also the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, gods of Moab, gods of Ammon, the gods of Philistines, they forsook the Lord and didn't serve Him. They served everybody but the Lord. So the anger of the Lord was hot. Do you ever want to have that said about your relationship with the Lord? Not just that you did something, you feel bad about it. You will even wait until bedtime to pray to the Lord about it. You know, if I've offended you some way or sinned today, please forgive me. It was like, you know you did wrong, but you just kind of, what if the Lord's anger is hot? against you. You have so offended the Lord that he's boiling. You want to be in that spot? I don't either, but they keep doing it. And so he is hot because they are committing spiritual adultery against him with every single God that there is in the phone book. So he sold them into the hands of the Philistines, into the hands of the people of Ammon, a new group of conspirators, oppressors. From that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan, Transjordan, in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Sound bad? It does. Moreover, in addition to that, people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also. It's like, we've got you, we're, we're moving on. So they fought against Benjamin, against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel Israel as a nation was severely distressed. Children of Israel, what do they always do when they start seeing that things aren't going their way? Wah, wah, wah. Isn't that right? 
Wah, wah, wah. Here it is. They cried out to the Lord. They said, we've sinned against you because we've forsaken our God and served the Baals. And the Lord's thinking what? Yeah, I know that. I know that. So here's what he said to them. Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians, from the Amorites, the people of Ammon, from the Philistines? Did I do that? Then I also deliver you from the Sidonians, the Amalekites, the Moanites, when they oppressed you. You cried out to me back then, and I delivered you from their hands. I'm doing it on every occasion. Just It's just like every generation of you people keep doing the same thing. You cry out to me, I deliver you. Yet, you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to your gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. Children of Israel said to the Lord, okay, you know, we're different now. We we have sinned. We admit that. So do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So, Instead of just saying it and hoping the Lord will do it, there's actually action. There's a demonstration of of remorse here. It says that they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And His soul... Have you ever heard that said of God before? It says that God's soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Uh, who does God love? Generally, God loves His people. In this account, these are His people. Yeah, He wants to punish them. He just wants to take them and just rub their nose in it because they continually disobey Him, continually go after in their adulterous practice spiritually those nations around them. Yet, they're still His children. And when they demonstrate contriteness, repentance... Then he responds. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Let's have a prayer together. And then we're going to go forth and be faithful, aren't we? Lord's not going to get hot against us, is he? Shake your head this way. No. Our Father, thank you so much for your blessings today. Thank you for this time that we could read together your scriptures. Help us to be impressed with the faithfulness of those who are true to you, but also impressed with those who are unfaithful and see the results of their misguided attempts to please themselves. Help us, Lord, as we walk out of here, not to be like that, but to learn the lesson that you intended for them to learn so long ago. And thank you thank you for the privilege through Jesus that we have to be able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.